to this episode of Nursing Edge Unscripted, Saga, where we journey through the history of nursing education using stories that connect the past to the present and then our future as we reimagine our teaching, learning, and scholarship. It is often said that the past teaches us about the present. To study history is to study change. This year, Saga gives voice to nursing through the words of our early nurse leaders who organized the discipline and carved out systems to formalize the education of nurses throughout the United States. In their own words, illuminates the visionary work of NLN pathfinders who questioned traditional curriculum paradigms and in the process, co-created standards for nursing education to build the discipline of nursing. In part three, we explored how Adelaide Nutting and the National League of Nursing Education's Educational Committee embraced the new specialties of community nursing and care of the mentally ill to incorporate guidelines for quality instruction in the training schools. In part four, we will discuss how leaders dared to propose a radical vision for the nursing profession to move beyond the hospital to the university and to adopt the emerging science of curative care and disease prevention. Although it was clear that a training school could not exist without a hospital, it became apparent that affiliation with universities was a better way to prepare students. The NLNE looked forward to the day when nursing education was situated within the university. Throughout the decade of the 1920s, the NLNE opened dialogue about the need for movement to higher education as the basis for instruction, touting the advantages to include new knowledge, science, ethics, as well as technique. The following year in 1930, at the 36th Annual Convention of the National League of Nursing Education in Milwaukee, Annie Goodrich, who had been a member of the Educational Committee that first spoke to Dean Russell and then led the Teachers College program, spoke to the delegates seven years after she assumed the position of Yale University's inaugural dean. Quote, we often hear discussed, sometimes acrimoniously, sometimes encouragingly, the question of college education. What do we mean by college education? What do we imply when we say degree? We're simply summarizing the fact that today, in the great laboratories of science, that knowledge is changing. What created thing could be of greater importance than human life, and who is more concerned with the development of that creation than the nurse? We must require of our women in the future two languages, the language of the people and the language of science. That nurses have learned the language of the people is evidenced by the group meeting here today. This great body of nurses could not have come into existence in these few years had they not ministered in some way to the people. But if we are truly concerned with our field of work, we must speak the language of science, end quote. 
leaders of this movement recognize that nursing education must always be concerned with the mastery and perfection of skills and techniques essential to clinical practice. But as Effie Taylor summarized in 1935, quote, a broader and more comprehensive vision for the education of nurses must supersede the limited outlook, which relates almost entirely to the acquiring of manual dexterity, end quote. Over a decade later, the NLNE, now commonly referred to as the League, called for a national study of nursing education. The Brown Report, Nursing for the Future, was funded by the Carnegie Corporation and published in 1948. The report recommended that nursing move away from the system of apprenticeship and embrace a planned program of education similar to that offered by other professions. In 1947, at the League's 54th annual meeting, Ms. Brown provided her preliminary findings. Following her presentation, Lucille Petrie, League president, urged the delegates, quote, to accept the report not merely as an evaluation, but as a guidepost of action, end quote. The League recommended that hospital schools of nursing consider transferring control and administration of their programs to educational institutions. Although this radical transformation would progress slowly and is still evolving, the influence and courage of the League's early leaders in accomplishing reform and creating a vision to transform nursing and nursing education cannot be minimized. We stand in awe of their creativity, their bold resolve to challenge conventional beliefs about how and where nurses are educated, and their commitment to embrace new specialties and the science of clinical practice. Perhaps M. Adelaide Nutty captured the essence of nursing education's early curriculum pathfinders when she spoke in 1923 of the spirit which guided their work. Quote, that spirit leads one to seek ever a better way, leads one to question, to grope for the right solution to the difficult problem. It alone leads to progress, end quote. That spirit modeled by nursing education's early pathfinders continues today as nurse educators explore ways to merge the increasingly complex foundational knowledge and skills needed for new nurses to practice safely and effectively. Radical transformation is not new to nurse educators and to the work of the NLN, and it alone leads to progress. And so the saga continues, and may our saga continue as we bring to a close this episode of Nursing Edge Unscripted, Saga. Thank you for joining us. And remember, good teaching doesn't just happen. Find your fit, push the boundaries, and celebrate the ahas. <laughs>